Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. We are in this series, The Summer of Miracles. And at Ivy, we have a sign that you might have seen that says, expect a miracle. And I wonder for you, are you somebody who expects a miracle? Are you somebody who believes for miracles? Because I believe that God is calling us in this time, not just to be hearing about miracles, but to be expecting that we will see miracles. See, we believe in a God who is not just off and distant, but we believe in one who came to this earth to show us how we should live. And his name is Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be like him. And the way that he walked this earth, he showed us miracle upon miracle upon miracle. Everywhere that he walked, he saw the deaf hear, the lame would walk, the paralysed would dance. That everywhere he went, whether he touched somebody and they were healed, or they touched him, they were healed. Whether they were close to him or whether they were far from him. Whether it was a small crowd or whether it was a huge crowd of thousands, they would be fed and they would have all that they need because he was a miracle working God. And he is the same God yesterday, today and forever. And even when he died and rose again, he performed more miracles and he put his miracles in us, his followers. It says in Acts 19.11 that Paul performed extraordinary miracles, but it actually says God performed extraordinary miracles through Paul. And it says in John 14, 12, Very truly I tell you, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. He expects us to be doing greater things than we even saw him doing. And at Ivy, we are here to release God's power through God's people. And I hope that this excites you. I hope that this series has already been building your faith. But actually, I think sometimes there can be different reactions as we start to press into the supernatural, as we start to think about miracles and these things that are um, bigger than we could naturally do. That's what a miracle is. It's something that is beyond our natural um, circumstance, something that needs an, another figure to come and help us. And I know that we can have different reactions to the supernatural because I think I have had all the different reactions that there can be to this. When I was 17, my dad rang me one day and said that there was a, um, like a revival happening in Florida. He said that there was people who were experiencing God in a really new and different way. And he said, do I want to come and see it because people are getting healed and all kinds of stuff's happening. Do I want to go to Florida? And at 17, I was a little bit disengaged from church. I wasn't that interested, but I heard, would you like to go to Florida and said, Yes, 100%, of course I want to go to Florida. And so I went and we went to the conference and I saw different things happening. And the next day we went to the beach and that's what I'd gone for. And so we were on the beach and my mum rang and she asked my dad first on the phone, like, how are you finding it? How's it going? And he was like, it's amazing. We're seeing God do incredible things. Like we've seen this and we've seen that. And then my sister got on the phone, Emma. And she was on the phone to my mum saying, oh, mum, it's amazing. You can feel the presence of God. There's this happening, that happening. It's amazing. And then it came to my turn. And I was quieter. 
And I said, actually, I find it really uncomfortable. And I think it's a bit weird. And there's some people that have their hands in the air and there's some people that are shaking and there's even people that are falling on the floor. Like, what is going on here? And I felt so uncomfortable. And I believe that that is the first reaction sometimes that we can have is that actually we talk about miracles and the supernatural and what God can do and what his spirit wants to do and we just find it uncomfortable. And today we're looking in 1 Kings 18 with Elijah. And we've throughout this series are going to be looking at Elijah and the miracles that come from him. But here we see a, a moment of meeting between him of going from the place of God saying that he's in hiding to saying, now it's time for you to present yourself to the king. And so he meets Obadiah. And yet Obadiah's reaction is one of, this is uncomfortable. What is God about to do here? Because this is uncomfortable. So let's listen to this moment of meeting. 1 Kings 18. A long time passed. Then God's word came to Elijah. The drought was now in its third year. The message, go and present yourself to Ahab. I'm about to make it rain on the whole country. Elijah set out to present himself to Ahab. The drought in Samaria at that time was most severe. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah feared God. He was very devout. Earlier, when Jezebel had tried to kill off all of the prophets of God, Obadiah had hidden away a hundred of them in two caves, fifty in each cave, and then supplied them with food and water. Ahab ordered Obadiah, Go through the country, locate every spring and every stream. Let's see if we can find enough grass to keep our horses and mules from dying. So they divided the country between them for the search. Ahab went one way and Obadiah the other. Obadiah went his way, and suddenly there he was, Elijah. Obadiah fell on his knees, bowing in reverence, and exclaimed, Is it really you, my master, Elijah? Yes, said Elijah, the real me. Now, go and tell your boss. I've seen Elijah. Obadiah said, But what have I done to deserve this? Ahab will kill me. As surely as your God lives, there isn't a country or kingdom where my master hasn't sent out search parties looking for you. And if they said we can't find them, we've looked high and low, he would make that country or kingdom swear that you were not to be found. And now you're telling me, go and tell your master Elijah's found. The minute I leave you, the Spirit of God will whisk you away to who knows where. Then, when I report to Ahab, you'll have disappeared, and Ahab will kill me. And I've served God devoutly since I was a boy. Hasn't anyone told you what I did when Jezebel was out to kill the prophets of God? How I risked my life by hiding a hundred of them, fifty to a cave, and made sure that they got food and water? And now you're telling me to draw attention to myself by announcing to my master, Elijah's been found. Why, he'll kill me for sure. Elijah said, As surely as the God of angel armies lives, and before whom I take my stand, 
I'll meet with your master face to face this very day. So Obadiah's reaction has been that this is uncomfortable, that Elijah has come to me and actually he feels the presence of God from Elijah and yet feels like, what is going to happen? What's going to happen if you come back? You could actually disappear if I tell the king that you're here. You could fully disappear. And this is because he is a faithful man of God. He's not someone that doesn't believe it all. He's someone that knows that God can do incredible things and yet it makes him feel uncomfortable that actually I could get in trouble here. This could be a mess for me if I get involved in whatever God is doing, whatever the Holy Spirit's doing here. And we know that he's a faithful man of God because he has seen the hardest things. That actually Jezebel has been killing God's prophets and he has seen and been affected by that so much that he, in his faithfulness to God, has actually saved a hundred of God's prophets. He's put 50 in one cave and 50 in another and fed and watered them and looked after them at risk to himself. And yet now the Holy Spirit's coming and doing something else and he's saying, oh, what have I done wrong for this to come and be at me? And this can be us. That actually we, we're faithful, we're reading our Bible, we're getting on with our faith, we're doing what we're doing. And yet we also have seen hard things. That we've seen unanswered prayer. That we've been in times of disappointment or where even we've prayed and then it's got worse. Or sometimes it's that we have been with friends where we've been faithfully with them and alongside them. And sometimes that can feel even harder because you think, I don't even know how to help you now because this is going from bad to worse. And we haven't seen the miracle. And we actually, from that place of thinking, I'm, I'm alongside you and I'm saving people and I'm trying to do this, but actually it can just be that then when the Holy Spirit comes and we're talking about miracles and talking about the supernatural, that it just is too uncomfortable. And we think, no, I don't know that I can go there again. I don't know that I can invite the Holy Spirit here again. And yet at the start of the year, you might remember that Emma Stark came to Ivy. And Emma Stark is someone from Glasgow Prophetic Centre. She leads a whole movement and she's so connected with prophets around the world. And she said that every prophet is speaking at this time, that so many prophets are speaking at this time, that there is a time coming of an uncomfortable revival. That actually it's going to be that it feels uncomfortable and we have to step into that uncomfortableness in order to receive all that God has for us. And so I pray for us right now that if we're sat at home thinking, oh, I don't know about this series, Summer of Miracles, I don't know that it's for me because I've been through too much or it's just uncomfortable or it's a bit weird, that actually we would decide, no, I want more than anything what God has for me. And so I'm going to pray off disappointment. I'm going to speak out and against anything that would want to hold me back from everything that God has for me. And I pray that for you right now as I go on to speak about the reactions to the miracles and the supernatural and what God has for us, that you will not be held back by disappointment or by thinking it's uncomfortable. The second reaction that we can see in when we feel like people are starting to talk about the Holy Spirit or we're starting to move into this series of miracles, another reaction that we might have is to think that it's all on me. How am I going to help this to happen? What am I going to do? What do I have to do to, to become somebody that is a person of miracles? And that's actually the reaction that we see now in 1 Kings 18, 21, as we start to see that Elijah has challenged Ahab. And he said to him that the God who answers with fire is the true God. And therefore, the prophets of Baal are going to have to do all that they can to try and get fire to fall from heaven. Elijah challenged the people. How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. 
Make up your minds. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. Then Elijah said, I'm the only prophet of God left in Israel, and there are 450 prophets of Baal. Let the Baal prophets bring up two oxen. Let them pick one, butcher it, and lay it out on an altar on firewood. But don't ignite it. I'll take the other ox, cut it up, and lay it out on the wood. But neither will I light the fire. Then you pray to your gods, and I'll pray to God. The God who answers with fire will prove to be, in fact, God. All the people agreed, a good plan, do it. Elijah told the Baal prophets, choose your ox and prepare it. You go first, you're the majority. Then pray to your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the oxen that he had given them, prepared it for the altar and then prayed to Baal. They prayed all morning long, oh Baal, answer us. But nothing happened, not so much as a whisper of breeze. Desperate, they jumped and stomped on the altar that they had made. By noon, Elijah had started making fun of them, taunting. Call a little louder. He is a god after all. Maybe he's off meditating somewhere or other. Or maybe he's gotten involved in a project or maybe he's on vacation. You don't suppose he's overslept, do you, and needs to be waked up? They prayed louder and louder, cutting themselves with swords and knives, a ritual common to them, until they were covered with blood. This went on until well past noon. They used every religious trick and strategy they knew to make something happen on the altar, but nothing happened. Not so much as a whisper, not a flicker of a response. So they have tried to do everything in their own power to get their gods, their gods with a small g, to bring fire down from heaven. They've tried dancing, they've tried moving around, they've tried cutting themselves, they've tried everything that they can to make it happen, to force it to happen, that their god would send fire. And I wonder for us that sometimes it can be that actually back in the day when we were all in church together, if we remember that time, that actually it might be that we felt like, well, that's, that's where we have these moments of encounter. That maybe at the moment we feel on pause and just longing for that time where we can be back together again, back with other people in worship, and that we'll have these times of encounter there. Because it's on us, it's on the music, and it's on the band, and it's on the having the right atmosphere. And yet I think it's interesting that in this time we are now stripped back. And I wonder for you that as you are in your home right now, that it's that we are stripped back to just me and God in my house. And do we still believe that in this place, do we still know that God is with us? Do we still know that he is able to do more than we could possibly ask or imagine? Do we know that God is not on pause and neither are you? See, Elijah was about to have his fire moment, yet he didn't only have fire moments. He didn't only have huge moments of encounter. Before this, for years, God had told him to hide. God had told him to have a time of fully relying on God. He had this time where he was to hide and see that God would provide. And he saw that God provided through food and water and where he would stay and through miraculous signs that we've heard about on previous weeks. We've seen that Elijah gained in that time this understanding of God. So that actually when other people thought the Holy Spirit and God and what he's doing, some people think it's uncomfortable. Their reaction is, it's uncomfortable. For some people the reaction is, it's all on me and I've got to try and make this happen. But Elijah knew 
It is all on God. Then Elijah told the people, enough of that, it's my turn. Gather around. And they gathered. He then put the altar back together, for by now it was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes of Jacob, the same Jacob whom God had said, from now on your name is Israel. He built the stones into the altar to honour God. Then Elijah dug a fairly wide trench around the altar. He laid firewood on the altar, cut up the ox, put on the wood and said, fill four buckets with water. Drench both the ox and firewood. Then he said, do it again. And they did it. And then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. The altar was drenched and the trench was filled with water. When it was time for the sacrifice to be offered, Elijah the prophet came up and prayed, Oh God, oh God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, make it known right now that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and that I'm doing what I'm doing under your orders. Answer me, O oh God. Oh, answer me and reveal to this people that you are God, the true God, and that you are giving these people another chance at repentance. Immediately, the fire of God fell and burned up the offering, the wood, the stones, the dirt, and even the water in the trench. All the people saw it happen and fell on their faces in awed worship, exclaiming, God is the true God. God is the true God. So the third response is Elijah's response, that it is all on God. And we've seen here that Elijah has prayed, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and I have done these things at your command. See, this wasn't a wild idea of Elijah's that God has come and helped him out with. This is a wild idea of God's, that Elijah has been obedient to carry out. Can God trust you with his wild ideas? Are we obedient enough that when he speaks, we will answer? Is our reaction, oh, it's uncomfortable, or I've got to make this happen, or is it, God, I will be obedient to what you ask of me? And we see it in the small things before we see it in the fire. We see it in when God, we think that maybe God has said something, and we're wondering whether or not to share it with somebody. Do we act on it? Do we do as God has said and tell someone what we feel that God is saying for them? We see it when someone needs healing, when someone is in pain, that are we, are we faithful enough to trust that actually I, I believe in a God who heals, so I'm going to offer prayer here. We see it in when people are getting into the chat and the misery and the gossip, that actually we say that we have a better word to speak because we will speak what God has spoken to us. And for me, when I was in Florida, like I say, and I've rung my mum and, well, mum's rung me and she's saying, how is it? And dad said, it's amazing. And Emma said, it's amazing. And I said, no, I'm not into it. It's weird. And I'm uncomfortable. She said to me, just make sure that you're not too cool to hear what God has to say to you. And I was like, how dare you say that to me? I'm not too cool. La, 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 and got really annoyed about it. And actually, sometimes when we get really annoyed about what somebody says into our life like that, maybe it's because what they're saying is true. And for me on that day, I realized it was true. That actually I was seeing all that was going on and I was thinking, well, I am above that. I'm too cool for that. I don't need to get involved in that. Whatever's going on there, I'm not interested in that. And yet in the car, 
On the way that night back to the conference, I had a quiet moment with God in my heart where I said to him, God, if you are real, if this is you, if what's happening there is in some way, even though it looks weird and it's uncomfortable, if it is you, God, then I want in because I want you. I don't want to be too cool to let this go. And as I walked into the conference that night, two women said to me, hey, we just wonder if we could pray for you. And I felt, I still felt uncomfortable, but I stepped into that and said, yeah, okay, you can pray for me. The night before it would have been no. And that night I said, yes, you can pray for me. And those women started to pray for me and literally they just stepped towards me and I felt this rush of the Holy Spirit through me. And I actually fell to the floor. And then when I stood up, I was not the same. I stood up with an excitement to praise God. I stood up with wanting to get as close to the stage as possible and worship him because I had experienced something. I'd experienced the power of God. And it wasn't that I wanted more of just that feeling. It's that I loved the God who was real. It was this amazing moment of encounter that I am worshiping a living God. And I started to worship him and I experienced God so tangibly that night, more than I've ever have done, but I believe I will again because it felt like I was underwater. I was literally moving my arms. My sister said later on that night, like, what was that weird dance you were doing? Because your arms were moving like that. But it was that I felt the Holy Spirit as though I was underwater I could feel the weight of God I could feel the presence of God and yet what I'm thankful for more than the feeling more than what I felt is that I experienced that this is a living God and therefore I remember having this moment in my heart of going Jesus died for me Jesus really died for me this is a real living God who sacrificed his son for me and so I decided there and then on that night that I would live for him. I decided that I would die and I would live for him. And whatever that looked like and however uncomfortable that would look and whatever that meant for my future. And it did mean a lot of uncomfortable things. It meant going to Brazil and working with children and people that are in poverty. It meant working in prison with some of the toughest, most difficult people and some of the most beautiful people in prison. It meant having a different look on our family. It's looked different how we've done family. It's meant that now I lead a church when I never expected that I would do that. It's meant difficult, uncomfortable things. And yet I am so glad that I've been obedient to the call of God. And it's a daily choice that again I say today, no matter what's happened, no matter the disappointment in my life, I'm saying again today, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. And one of my favourite speakers, Catherine Coleman, is known for saying, I am not a healer. I believe in miracles because I believe in God. I am not a woman of great faith. I am a woman of small faith in a great God. Catherine Coleman saw incredible healing and miracles throughout her life. You can watch her on YouTube, you can read books about her. She saw so many miracles, person after person after person would be healed. And yet the main thing that we see that she preached was her relationship with God, was the day that actually she found true salvation, the day that actually she laid everything down. And in one of the sermons that I have been reading from her, she said that she had this time where she would say to God, I have nothing left but my love for you. She lost everything in her life, but she said to God at the end of a one-way street, God, I have nothing left but my love for you. And she said to the crowd, Catherine Coleman died a long time ago. I know the day, the hour, the spot where Catherine Coleman died. 
I know from whence I've come. I had nothing and was born without talent, and yet I've said to God, I love you with all my heart, and I give you my body as a living sacrifice. If you can take nothing and use it, then take me and use me. He isn't looking for silver vessels. He, it isn't gold vessels that is needed. He needs a yielded vessel. And so that is our prayer today. That we want to see miracles, we want to have fire moments, we want to have the encounter, and I believe that we will. But first we have to live a life of surrender. We have to choose to lay our lives down. And I believe that today, as we talk about these fire moments, and I'm going to pray for the fire in a moment, but I believe that first we have to lay ourselves on the altar. I've heard Bill Johnson say, miracles are easy because it isn't us who do them. And so even if you feel like you are the driest bit of kindling or you feel like you are drenched in doubt and disappointment, like the water that was poured on the altar and everything that was set up, that actually the, the beauty in this is that God can still send the fire because it is all about God, it's not about us. And so I want to encourage you right now to do something uncomfortable, whether that means for you that you want to now kneel down, whether you want to lie down, whether you want to stand with your hands outstretched in surrender. I want to encourage you to move, to say that actually I, I will be uncomfortable for you, God, because if you won't move now, then you're not going to move next time he asks you to speak or step out or pray for healing. And yet I believe that God is releasing even now the gift of miracles upon you that we are going to see as a church more miracles than we have ever experienced before, that we are going to see it in every way that Jesus saw it. And so he's asking you to move. He's asking you to be uncomfortable. And then you might want to pray this out loud. You might want to pray this in your heart. But I'm going to pray and encourage you to just speak this after me. Lord God, I give myself to you today as a living sacrifice that I will mark today as the day I died to my way and that I choose to live for your way. If you can take nothing and use it, take me and use me. I will be obedient to your will. And now as we have done that, as we have given ourselves as a sacrifice, I now pray for fire to fall in your home. That you don't have to do anything, but as you are on your knees or as your hands are outstretched, whatever position you have moved into, I just encourage you to now welcome the presence of the living God. To say, I welcome you here in your fullness. That I need do nothing except welcome the presence of God. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that over every home, over every person that is now on their knees, that has their hands outstretched, or the ones that are lying down, Lord God, I pray that your fire would fall now in Jesus' name. I pray that something would stir in them like never before. I pray that the gift of miracles will fall on them, that it would be said of each of them that they are somebody on which God did extraordinary miracles through because they lived a life of obedience poured down. And Lord God, we just welcome the fullness of your spirit. And Lord, we pray for anyone now who is in need of a miracle. 
Anybody right now who is in need of a touch from God, we just speak. Come and speak with me. I don't need to do this on my own. Let's pray for each other. We don't have to stand next to each other to pray for Maybe you want to put your hand out to the screen. Maybe you just want to speak out in tongues. But Lord Jesus, we pray right now for the people that are watching this who need a miracle, who need a breakthrough, whose marriages are crumbling and they're just saying, God, help me, help me in my marriage. Lord, I need a miracle for this to turn around. I pray for people who have pain in their body. I speak to every part of your body to come into alignment now with the will of God. Put a hand on yourself wherever the pain is and you just speak to it. God's extraordinary power can work through you on yourself or on somebody else in your home right now that you need to lay hands on and pray for them. This isn't about me. You are the church. You have the living God there with you now. And so we welcome the fire to fall. And Lord, I pray for a fire of revival on this nation. I pray, Lord, that your fire would come as we live lives laid down, that you would give us the confidence and the boldness to step out to speak when you ask us to speak, to pray when you ask us to pray, to believe that we are people of power. We ask this in your mighty name. As we worship now, keep praying, keep pressing in. Send us what God's saying. We believe this is the start, not the end. Let's keep praying and believing for miracles in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org/media.